As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You know, this is a real good football team uh, coming in here this weekend. uh, We really do everything well, um, create a lot of problems in all three phases of the game. very well coached, have great players, great personnel, um, good situational football team, very explosive team, and uh, it's a lot of put a, they put a lot of pressure on you um, on every every single down. So um, it's been a big challenge for us, a team we don't you know, know very well, don't have much experience with, but <clears throat> you know, we're getting to know them quickly. And, um, and you know, Cowboy organization is uh, you know obviously one of the premier uh, franchises in all sports, uh, National Football League. So, you know they've done so much for the game, uh, so much for the league since they've come into the league uh, in 1960. And uh, of course, Jerry, uh, Stephen, entire organization down there has um, set a tremendous amount of success um, and been a very um, exemplary organization in terms of you know run a football team and. You know, being competitive through the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. You know, now they're, they're just they they string a lot of a lot of good years, a lot of championship seasons together. Um, and so I have a ton of respect for, for what they've done, how consistent they've been. Only thing I second to say is, how about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys, indeed. All right, on to week six for the Cowboys and another week of wondering uh, who, if anyone, will be the ones to knock off the Cowboys in this Super Mario Invincibility star mode that they're currently in. Uh, Will it be Bill Belichick? Will it be Mac Jones? We will preview it all in this episode of About Them Cowboys. So welcome in. Kent Garrison here producing and letting you know that this episode is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on-demand with DirecTV Stream. Learn more at directtv.com. And I'm excited to welcome in again to the show the one and only at Bobby Belt TX on Twitter. It's Bobby Belt. Welcome back, Bobby. Hi, fellas. How are you? It's good. Uh, it's been since about week one, so I'm sure you've got some thoughts on the first few weeks of the uh, Cowboy season. We'll get to that. And we'll also get to the best of the best when it comes to covering all things Dallas Cowboys. It's Kevin KT Turner and Father John Mishota. KT, take it away. 
Well, thank you, Kent, and welcome aboard, Bobby. John, let's start with you. It's um, full disclosure, we're recording this on Tuesday night. I feel like we've got a top. Is it too early to say that this is a top five team in the NFL? That's a tough Dude, exercise. So much but let's start coming out, out of some... the week. So much yeah, hype let... coming out of the week. Just start off with that, like you know, producing the national show and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I don't think I've ever, you know, had to produce this much Cowboys content for the Athletic. I'll just say that. So that's a good a good sign, right, guys? Things are good. Oh well, yeah, God, and they're yes. a very ban- they're a very bandwagony team, especially from a national perspective. Like whether things are going good or things are going bad, everyone likes to jump in because they get ratings. So, uh, yeah, no, that doesn't surprise me. Um, I would say so. Every week we have to do a power ranking uh, for all thirty-two teams, and I've been hesitant the previous five weeks, and I've had the Cowboys. I think the first week I had them down like around probably 15 they were like middle of the pack and then i bumped them up to like 12 and then slowly kept up and i had five this week so um yeah i think i actually take issue with this and and i want to hear your guys thoughts on on it i've heard a lot of like not just national but even some local stuff whether it be twitter or local sports talk radio of people in the last couple of weeks talking about how yeah you know i just don't know if i can buy in with the cowboys because they always kind of tease you and then they and then they kind of drop off and and I when I think of it maybe I'm just too close to it but I'm more in like the recency so I can't I'm not going to really judge this on like Dave Campo years but like this team is like 14 and 16 how do you not see this and where was the drop off there until they got to the playoffs and lost to Green Bay could this team do that sure but like if you don't see the similarities between 14 and 16 in this team who there were no drop off maybe there was for like one week and then they got right back into rolling again like that's what we're seeing here. Like, it's fine. You can buy in. Like, this team's for real. Yeah, I. you know, it's funny. I'm trying to think of hot starts where they folded and only two are jumping to mind in the last, like, 15 years. Um, that way, and, and it was 2019 and 2008, and that was just a hot three-week start. Both times they started 3-0. and Both times they looked like, you know, there's a lot of expectations coming into the year, and, and they started off really hot, and then it quickly cratered. Um, and so, but I mean, that was just three weeks into the season. I think pretty soon after that, everybody realized that, you know, that 2019 team was talented as they were. I still think that may be the most talented team that they've had in the last decade was that 2019 team just on a talent standpoint until now. Uh, Okay, sure. I'll, I'll go with you on that, but I mean, it's, it's close. Um, but I I think that really let's break this down. Okay. All right, let's go here. Who do we got? We got, uh, if you want to look, you know. Who was on the 2019 team that wasn't on this team? That that Robert Quinn and Demarcus Lawrence were the edge rushers. You had uh, Byron Jones at corner, which he wasn't getting the turnovers, but, I mean, he was playing really solid ball. Jordan Lewis was still pretty good at that point. He's gotten worse the last couple years, I think. But Jordan Lewis was playing his best ball. I think that was probably Xavier Woods' best season. And then I think when you look along the offense. I mean, Dak, they were much more prolific getting the ball downfield than this team is so far. Uh, so far. Travis so Frederick far. was so still far. here. Wait till old Gallup comes back. We'll see about so that far. goes. Um, and, I mean, they had Jason Witten, John. So Cool. cool. Uh, Robert Quinn, sounds good on paper. When did he ever make a play in a game where you were like, this changed the game? Micah, I mean, Parsons, Robert, uh, Robert, Robert. Micah Parsons is 
you'll take Micah Parsons 10 out of 10 times for his contribution so far sure. than you would from Robert Quinn. It's not even the sure. same. If anything, I look back on that year that Robert Quinn put up those numbers, and I was kind of like, you think there'd be a little bit more impact with what he did on the – and it was just like – it was almost like they were like – it was hollow. Like it didn't really – well, and he just they, never they, felt like he was changing the game. And no offense to him, he was a good edge rusher, but Micah they, Parsons, when he's out there, you can tell he's changing the game. They were incredibly disappointing. But I think just from a raw talent perspective, that's the best On team they've paper, had the going last into the season. Yeah, yeah, I'm not, yeah. And, I, I mean, you talk uh, you talk about they end up acquiring you know Michael Bennett at the deadline, and Michael Bennett played really well when he got here. I mean, I think that they were a very talented, and that was the story that whole season was that they were incredibly talented and they were an incredible disappointment. That was a lot of the same talk about again, similarly, a team that started three and zero. That was the 08 team. Where coming off that 07, 13, and 3 season, everybody thought Dallas was a big-time contender, and they came out there and, you know, they killed the Browns. They won a big game on uh, Monday Night Football against the Eagles, um, and then they went 3-0, and and then all of a sudden it just it started falling apart. And so I think that that's a similar start. But in terms of just, yeah, these hot starts, if you look at the last two times they've started 4-1, and one, it was 2014 and 2016, and, you know, they went 12-4 and four and 13-3, and three and they made the playoffs. So I think that... And they the lost to Green Bay, just like this team's going to do, right? Oh, stop. Stop that. No, Just imagine the, if that happens. Gosh. That, that would be rather poetic. But this team, I think that they're five, you know, they're four and one. They've beat, you know, a lot of people go, oh, you beat the Giants, big deal. You beat, you know, uh, a phony Carolina team that the Eagles just beat. And then you beat the Eagles themselves and, you, you know, yada, yada, yada. But that's the thing is that they're doing what they're supposed to do. And that's been a massive problem for the Cowboys the last few years is that they don't do what they're supposed to do. They don't handle their business. They don't beat the teams they're supposed to beat. And now you're, yeah, you should beat the giants by 24 points, but previous teams haven't necessarily done that. And so I think that's the, I think it's a, you don't get much off of the individual game against the giants. I don't think as much as you do the cumulative buildup of what they've done for four weeks in a row. And it also validates the first two weeks. Tampa's the best team that they've played so far, especially with where they were at that time. And it validates that that wasn't some fluke, like, oh, they were just hitting on all cylinders. They barely just hung with the defending. No, they're legit. And the same thing with the Chargers game. Sorry, KT, go on. Well, no, that's why why I I even brought it up, because I generally think it does take four or five weeks to kind of find out what a team really is. But those first two games, how you played against Tampa Bay and then beating the Chargers, then go watch Tampa Bay still be good. All right. And then go watch the Chargers, who are very impressive. And you're like, oh, they beat them. And I'm immediately like, okay, so maybe Buffalo, maybe I got to give Arizona some credit for being 5 and 0. But, you know, I think if they were playing, I'd feel pretty good about putting my money on the Cowboys. But, you know, still got a lot to learn about Arizona right now. And then Tampa Bay. Um, so Tampa Bay, Buffalo, Arizona, we'll give them, since they're 5 and 0, we'll give them the spot. And then I'm kind of, I'm back to Cowboys. Like, I think the Cowboys are better than, and I'll I'll reserve comment until they're healthy, but I think the Cowboys are a better team than the Packers right now. Now, who knows what happens in the playoffs when it comes down to the quarterbacks and all that stuff, but feeling pretty confident about what Dak can do in the playoffs. Uh, otherwise, elsewhere, Baltimore maybe? Can I watch Baltimore last night? You know, they, they look iffy. At times we know Baltimore will be there in the end. You have a hard time going too deep down the NFC roll call before I'm like, well, Yep, got to the Cowboys pretty quickly, and it's number two behind Tampa Bay in the NFC to me. And when they're healthy, that's what I'm, and they're and they're hitting on all cylinders. I I believe that their best can beat any team in the NFL. And I don't even know if I felt that way in fourteen and sixteen because one thing that's helped us along is that there's no more Drew Brees in New Orleans, so that's kind of yeah. knocked that out of the picture. 
I know that this is this is you shouldn't say things like this, but Tom Brady's older, okay? And then yeah, Aaron Rodgers is still Aaron Rodgers, but that Packers defense is trash right now. Like it's not something that yeah. should really scare you. You're literally going into that game worried all about Aaron Rodgers and certainly he can do his magic. Um, and then the other one for me is that uh, Seattle isn't what Seattle has been. And so it's now that you move to this new age of like Rams and Cardinals and, and things like that. But even with them, I'm not like, there's just, man, you'd have to play perfect to even have a chance in those games. No, no, you really wouldn't. No, I think I think definitively, if I was going to stack them, I think Dallas is no lower than four right now to me in the power rankings across the league. I think definitively to me, Buffalo is the best team in football right now. And I think that I would put Tampa Bay second. I think Tampa Bay and Buffalo are, are clearly above Dallas. Dallas was in a position to win that game, but Tampa Bay's done nothing to dissuade you from, you know, considering them the type of contender that we have, and they beat Dallas in the first week. So I think they have the edge naturally over them. Then I think Arizona and Dallas are right there with each other. I think Arizona probably just have to give deference to because they are the only undefeated team in the NFL, the entire league. And so, I mean, there does it does carry some weight, but I wouldn't be opposed to putting Dallas third, but I think they are no lower than fourth right now. I don't think Baltimore is as good as Dallas. The Rams would be the next one. The Rams would be five to me, I think. I don't think Baltimore or Green Bay are as good as Dallas right now. The Rams are closer, um, but I still think there's a step between the Rams and then the Cardinals and the Cowboys. But, Bobby, you would not want to have to go into SoFi and play the Rams with that. No, no, especially if there was a thunderstorm outside. No, if there was a thunderstorm outside, too, you know, the stadium. I meant more of the 75% Cowboys fans in the stadium. Oh, just brutal for them. Yeah, that'd be a tough environment for those Cowboys. You know, I feel like, too, watching like the Cowboys have glided through this phase without Gallup, without Demarcus Lawrence, without Lyle Collins. I would have thought that one or two of those. I mean, I, th- I thought the Gallup one was one they could get through without any worries. But I, I really thought that Demarcus Lawrence and Ter- and uh, and Lyle Collins was really going to hinder things. And it has Jalen Smith. What about Jalen Smith? Okay, so yeah, I mean that's a hey, that's a big deal. You know that it, that does close the gap the a little woods. bit between the Packers and the Cowboys. I think he's elite. Um, yeah. We'll see if he's active this week. But like, I'm, I'm watching, for instance, and I'm, I know sometimes I bring him up, but like, watch the Packers. The Packers are fighting through it right now without uh, Jared Alexander, without Elton Jenkins, without uh, Bakhtiari. Like, they are grinding without Scantling. They are grinding through it. They do not look awesome. Are they missing like an edge rusher too in there? I feel like uh, one of those. Zedaria Smith is out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, their number, their main guy, Zedaria Smith out as well. Yeah, for sure. Like, but it's been like. I mean, they've got hit hard and, and and harder than the Cowboys, but it's just and, and I'm I'm a big believer like you're talking about earlier. Like historically, yeah, you can compare things to to past seasons, but I really tend to think none of what happens in the past matters about this week's game. I've always been a, been a proponent of well, it doesn't matter what happened. You're playing them this week unless there's some like historical thing like Alabama, you know, beating you know Vanderbilt or something. Like, um, another thing I wanted to add to that, though, is that isn't just my feeling. It's also kind of the way my, the sense I've gauged from the team. Like even in 14, it was kind of like, hey, yeah, this is kind of this is wild. We kind of caught lightning in a bottle. This is amazing. Look at DeMarco Murray. He's like he's going to run for more yards than Emmett Smith. I never thought this would ever happen in my lifetime. And they were kind of riding the wave there with like a Jeremy Mincy led defense. And then in 16, yeah. you thought like, oh, hey, this is for real. Like. You know, but it still was, man, there's this rookie quarterback. Like, how far is a rookie quarterback going to take you? 
I genuinely feel that this team isn't scared of anyone to play them anywhere at any time of the year. Like, whether you want to run, you want to pass, cold, in, in in a dome, whatever. Like, I genuinely get that, genuinely get that feeling from this team. I've seen Bobby tweet about this. They've had an attitude adjustment on defense. Yeah. No, I mean, they. that was one of the things that I was going to talk about here was that they purged all their cancers, and there were a lot of cancers on the defensive side of the ball last year. Rank them. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, you uh, you want me to? Let's go here. <laughs> Emerson Griffin, number one. Alden Smith, number two. We can go down the list here. It I was, think one of them just got released from it, another team. Too. I'm surprised was, you got to two without name. Okay. Who are who are you going to put at three? Who who would who Don Terry Poe? I mean, there was I mean, a lot Antoine of them. Daryl yeah. Worley. Ken just who, said it. Who? Antoine Woods. No. Oh, Ant- you said Jalen Smith. Oh, no. Oh, see, I don't know that Jalen – Jalen, I don't know that he was a cancer. He was a bad yeah. player. Yeah, that's but, true. That's but true. But cancers yeah. – Everson Griffin was a cancer. Don Terry Poe was a cancer. Yep. Alden Smith was the same way. It was toxic. That's fair. That's fair. I so, wasn't thinking of it from that perspective. I was you, thinking of, like, poor play and then, but still being on the field. You're right. You purged these guys, these – locker room cancers you empowered some of these veterans the way they're really it seems like you know they're leaning on a guy like you know randy gregory and trayvon Diggs, some of these guys who have returned to like become leaders and then they went out and they drafted like high motor high character like football obsessed guys like oso digizua and chauncey golston and micah parsons being the leader that he is and i think that everybody you just named is on defense and so they have to give some credit you have to give some credit to dan quinn that, that's what, yeah, and that's exactly what we're, that's exactly what I'm saying is that you cultivated all of that, and then you hired the exact right person to put it all together and put these guys in a position to succeed and to. Well, no, I think that he's on the ground floor. I think it starts with him. I think he had a say <laughs> in all those J. Ron curses and Diamante KZs and Keanu Neal's. Like, and and props to the front office for listening to him. But I think he's on the ground floor of helping that turnaround. I have had three people in the organization tell me that DeMonte KZ has been a revelation for them inside the locker room in terms of just being a rallying point and a veteran that like young guys can lean on and, and it's setting the tone for them for games and practices and things like that. And that's a, that's a Quinn guy. Uh, Keanu Neal's another one who's been a big addition like that. Another Quinn guy, J Ron curse they, for as bad as the pro scouting department was in 2020, They've been as good this year as they were bad last year. They they hit on everything this year. You, don't you think you, the defensive coaches, because the Cowboys are a team that allows their coaches to have a say, don't you think that's a factor in this too? Did they just all of a sudden how to learn how to scout? No, they were getting guys that the coaching staff wanted. And, um, this, coach, and this coach is putting those players in the right position. I mean, yeah, I'm not yeah, saying I, that that's the end-all, be-all, but that, I think, is a major ingredient in this. I, I, I think Dan Quinn had a say, but I think it was more Dan Quinn gave them, this is what I, like, th- these are the parameters I'm looking for. You go find right. me guys that fit this, and then the right. scouting department found, I think it's a blend. I think the, the pro department, the college scouting department, and Dan Quinn have totally revitalized not just the talent on defense, um, but more importantly, I think the attitude and the, the, the chemistry and the culture on defense, which was more to me than the talent. I think the toxicity of it all last year was the biggest problem on that Good side word. of the ball. Thank you. Thank I you, like John. <laughs> but I, I think that that was the, I think that's, and I think that's an, a big reason also why you're at risk of losing Dan Quinn at the end of the year. I think people are going to see what he did, not just in terms of coaching them up, but in terms of how he 
you know, approached this locker room as, you know, a leader of men and, and things like that. I think that that's going to be a big play for a lot of people. Hey, I used this the other day. I want to hear your guys' take on this. This is I was something I was sharing with Clarence and a few other writers. So I've been getting like a lot of, not so much recently, but over the last few months, tweets from like a random, it'll be these random Falcons fans after I tweet something about Quinn. And we'll just talk about how like a much of a disaster he is and how awful he is. And again, let me just start at the base of me being from Detroit. Okay, the worst NFL franchise. So I'm not sitting here trying to act like I'm high and mighty. But every time I get one of these, I'm kind of like, you're the Atlanta Falcons. He took you to the Super Bowl. Yeah, like, quit whining. You're, you're pretty much, that's maxed you out. Like, what organization do you think you are? Like, like, like he just like, like he got ran off from like the Patriots or the Steelers or the Ravens or the Packers. Like, you're the Atlanta Falcons. Like, what did you think was about, like, I don't know. Let me just, let me, hold on. Let me look and see what's going on in Atlanta now that Dan's gone. Yep, they're trash. Like, I'm just kind of like. putting the Super Bowl loss on him? Maybe like, that's Yeah, it. but it's like. Probably. Okay, he had to be good enough to obviously get you there. And again, yeah. speaking from someone from Detroit, if he did what he did for Atlanta and Detroit, they, he'd have a statue out in front of the place. It's, it's, it's so funny because Kyle Shanahan's become such a hot name, but I distinctly remember in the immediate aftermath of that game, people were putting all that on Kyle Shanahan for flubbing the, the, the close of that game. I, I yeah. remember there was a ton of heat on Shanahan for his play calling in the second half and, and kind of like resting on his laurels and not going for the kill shot. And but so they, but I they think also that, probably don't get there without him. But And fair enough, but I think that that's the funny thing is that like Quinn somehow is held responsible for that Super Bowl collapse when a lot of – it's like, you know, there was a lot of heat on Shanahan at the time, and I think he went on to San Francisco and he's been to a Super Bowl since then. Um, so a lot of people have forgotten that and I think kind of revised history, but – this wasn't even like a team that Dan Quinn walked into that was like, you know, oh, this is ready-made Super Bowl contender. We're looking for a coach to push us over the top. You know, this was Dan Quinn took a team that when he was hired, what was that? That was year two for him when he took them to the Super Bowl. He was hired in yeah. 2015. And yeah. so that was a team that when he took it over, they were they were the furthest thing from a contender. And so I, I think that there's a higher view of – and I think it's a little bit of, deny, you know – Cowboys fans are a bit in denial. I don't think they want to lose Dan Quinn. And so all you keep hearing on Twitter is, really? Just 12 months after he was, you know, fired from the Falcons? Yeah, really. Like, Mike McCarthy was hired for the most high-profile job 12 months after he was disastrously fired from the Packers midseason. And like how Chris Richard, who was disastrously fired as a defensive coordinator, not even a head coach, got three head coaching interviews 12 months later after being the defensive coordinator for the Cowboys. I think Dan Quinn's got a really good reputation with front offices and with people inside the league. And I think the results of what he's doing here are going to cause job offers coming in. I think he wants to be a head coach again. And I think that you're at greater risk of losing Dan Quinn this offseason than you are Kellen Moore. Really? I just don't know that Kellen Moore wants to be an NFL head coach. When you talk to people, you hear a lot of people say Kellen Moore wants to be a college coach. And I don't know that he's got his that was something you heard about when he interviewed for the Boise job is that as much yeah. as it would have been a nice fit was that he didn't quite have a a program plan in place they liked the X's and the O's they liked the football stuff but they didn't know if he had a plan in place to build a program and I don't oh. know that he's been able to cultivate that and put that together yet you know with everything else that's been going on so I think he's gonna bide his time a little bit and wait for one of those college jobs I just I don't know how much he wants to be an NFL head coach like LSU or USC or sure sure or, or Washington every other year Texas you know <laughs> gosh get Sark out of there so he should just keep making money really? here with the Cowboys no, maybe kidding. 
maybe get paid well to be the offensive coordinator. And with that money, he could pay people to put together a college plan in place for him while he's still calling plays and dominating with that. I mean, the combination of the job you want, you know, as long as him and Dak are together, I feel like they're going to have success. So, you know, he can ride that as long as he's, but Dak is scoring touchdowns. He's going to be in demand to be get coaching jobs. So, I I mean, I heard our, our friend Brian brought us say this this week, and I think it's a good point. I think that good as Kellen is at his job, I think you'd have a tougher time replacing Dan Quinn than Kellen Moore because Dak has so much come into his own with the the pre-snap reads and the adjustments Mm -hmm. there, and you're likely just probably elevating a guy like Nussmeyer who's been working with Kellen for these last few years. There'd probably be a lot of continuity, not a lot of changeover, and so I think that that's a easier fix, an easier step in than it is to go find somebody to replicate what Dan Quinn's done for Mike Nolan. On that point, with Kellen Moore... I think he'll be choosy about his opportunities because of yes. how good he has it here, whether it yes. be what Jerry will give him financially, what what Kent, what you said about the Dak thing. This offense is obviously loaded. You're not just going to leave this for just any old job unless it's something that you really – but if that right job comes along, and it could, I could see him being very interested in that. Um, but you brought up an interesting thing that I wanted to ask both of you guys there. So how would you feel, though, if Kellen did leave and – you know, Nussmeyer stays, but Mike wants to go to call on the plays. Has Mike evolved is all I need to know. Uh, uh, because I, he did I, not evolve in Green Bay, and that was that was the, the main reason for his exodus, is he did not evolve the offense. It got stale the same way Jason Garrett got stale. I mean, there was a time when Jason Garrett was a hotshot offensive coordinator in this league, and that led to friction. And I have, working with Aaron Rodgers probably didn't help things, but, man, that offense got so stale. He was not running crossers and anything. Like, he wasn't using the field to his advantage. And you just get the vibe of, man, I just don't feel like the innovation's there. Hey, it happens to music artists. Their first album's usually their best. It's hard to write that good fourth album. Hey, it's hard to keep the offense going five years after you won a Super Bowl. Just It's just a difficult thing. So I, I, I personally would not be a fan of that. But. I would I, I would be in favor of it from the perspective of if he wants to take that on, he wants to take that responsibility, he wants to take that initiative, fine, give him a shot. Like, let him, you know, if he stepped away and mm-hmm. did all his study and everything, okay, give him a shot to let, let him do it, to let him prove it. If things don't go well, you make a change. But I think that's also the other thing. I'd be in favor of it just from the perspective of it gives us a tangible thing to see what he's doing. I don't know what he does here. And that's something – if he was calling the plays and he was installing the offense, that's at least something I can see and I can know what he's responsible for. I don't know. I think he kind of sets the tone right now. Like, not in yeah. a – in kind of a way where it just keeps it even keel. I mean, that's what Dan Quinn said yesterday, that that's, that's one of the things that he appreciates most about Mike is that, you know, when things are going bad, he doesn't really – he's not really wearing it. Like, he's not getting too low about it. And then now that they've been on this four-game winning streak, he's not all of a sudden riding the wave and changing his message and the way he goes about it. He's kind of staying right in the middle. And that's one of the things that Dan was saying that he really appreciates. And yeah, I but no, think nothing's that, been bad yet. <laughs> like, no, but like to, last to, year – was he good last year during during no, all the chaos when Dak went I, down? Yeah, I he actually think – I think he was I, – I said this at the time when – Jane Slater's report came out uh, that, you know, there were people questioning how good uh, some of the coaches were at their jobs. Um, I thought that 
Mike McCarthy handled that question in the media 10 times better than Jerry did, which is not common. Jerry lashed out, got emotional about it, was upset, looked frazzled, seriously seemed like it bugged him. Mike got up there and said, these are the things that happen when you lose football games. I don't take it personal. You know, it didn't deny it either. Didn't say like, no, there's no way they said that. So this is what happened. And I think that's his biggest benefit probably. He spent 27 years, 28 years now in NFL locker rooms. There's probably not a lot he hasn't seen from a culture perspective. There's probably not a lot of situations he hasn't run into with personalities. And so that experience is valuable. And I think that he is a steady hand. He doesn't give us jack shit at those press conferences. <laughs> and like, I mean, Jason used to play the coy game of, you know, hey, is, uh, is anybody going to miss practice today? Um, I, I don't know. You're, uh, you're going to have to ask me some names. But if you hit on the right name and asked him somebody, he'd tell you, oh, yeah, they're not practicing today. Mike won't do that. Mike will go, hey, uh, Mike, so is anybody not practicing today? And he'll be like, uh, do we have practice today? Uh, what's, what is that? Is there – I don't know. <laughs> I will say I, about the not being too high and too low thing, the reason I mentioned that also is because I think that matters most in the postseason because obviously the stakes are higher – and I'm not talking about in the game. I'm talking about in the week preparing up to it. He obviously has skins in, in the wall there. And to be honest with you, that's when he's needed. That's why this hire was made. It's It mm-hmm. really isn't about, I mean, let's, let, I mean, hey, he said he said the other day, he goes, I really don't like talking about like the, you know, the future in terms of like playoffs, seeding, things like that until at least 10 wins. That's generally, he says that that's in his career when we'll, they'll start talking about the futures at 10 wins. And I'm sitting there when he says that, I'm like, yeah, that's because um, you were in competitive divisions at times. Like, this one's done. Like, you guys are going to the playoffs because this division is awful. And there is this setup in the NFL where as long as you win your division, you go and play in the playoffs. So you guys are going to be in the playoffs. And really, that's what he's hired for is to win then. This right here, unless it's a complete disaster, this is all about just getting there. I, it doesn't matter if it's 10 wins. It can be 9. It can be 15. He's got to win in January and February, and, and that's why he was hired. I like how aggressive he is on fourth down. I like how aggressive he gets with two-point calls and things like that. I, I like the, you know, the nut up and just do it aspect to him when it comes to, you know, making those. I always go back to that quote. You remember, this is my favorite. This is Jason Garrett in a nutshell. This was my favorite quote from him. I think I've mentioned it here on the show, which was, it was that Texans game in overtime. Uh, in 2018 where they were on the road and it was fourth and one and he didn't go for it. He punted it away and I think the Texans scored in overtime on the very next drive. And the first question to Jason in the post game was why didn't you go for it on fourth and one? And he said, well, it was a long one. It's like, that's your excuse. It was a long one. Yeah, it was fourth and one, but it was almost two. Oh, good point, as Jason. If, as if, as if uh, there's more than one d- difference to a yard. You know, a yard is right. subjective. A, I mean, but, but yard to me is, is is pretty long. Yard to you is very short. You know, but, I mean, but a I yards think, a yard, guys. O- overtime at midfield, which is roughly where they were there. I think um, they actually may have been just into Texans territory. They were, but over t- overtime. If they're fourth and five in that situation, McCarthy's going for it. I'm a hundred percent convinced. Well, it's so also I a like- different. It's also a different team, though. Too. I mean, you had a younger Dak Prescott. I think. I think if a Jason Garrett has this current team, he probably would go for it. I can't be. I can't be completely certain. You know. I mean, it's. You know. I just don't think it's completely apples to apples. I don't think on a fourth and two, 
you rarely would ever see Garrett go up for it on a fourth and two. I don't, you know, that close to the fifty again, yard I, line. I, I think I, I think he goes. I think he goes for it relative to the stakes. I think he looked at it as yeah. we're on a road game. It's the regular season. It's week five. It's an AFC opponent. It is the least consequential to playoff seeding in the future. I think there's all sorts of calculations that go into it for Garrett. If that's at home or something against the Giants in week. 14, he probably goes for it. I think it just mm-hmm. matters where it is. Whereas to McCarthy, I don't think it does. I think McCarthy just goes, you know, the context be damned. Let's just look at where are we and do I want to go for it? And I think he wants to be aggressive like that. And I like that aspect. I still want to see him fix his clock management issues with three games now in a row where they've won pretty handily or had it in hand in the fourth quarter before Carolina came back a little bit. Um, we haven't had a chance to see that, but I mean, you've got these, you know, first two games of the season where we had a clock issue or, or a, a game management issue. And then that's something that still, I think remains to be seen how good he, he handles those situations. Yeah. Yeah. You know where he stands. I mean, that's huge. There's nothing worse than not knowing where he stands. They're going to be aggressive. They're going to try to outscore teams. They're not going to try to win games 20 to 17. And with Garrett, you would have that. And that's a problem. Was that how he always was, KT? Did he evolve into that, or was he like that from day one in Green Bay? Uh, my memory is that they were always trying to be aggressive and high scoring. That's my memory. Now, the I, teams I, in the late 2000s were not as good as obviously. And again, that Super Bowl team, I know I've said that on here many times, that Super Bowl team in 2010 nearly missed the playoffs. The, the clock management stuff is real. That's a that's never been rock solid and good. Uh, I wish I could show you text change from me and my buddy Matt, who just talking about that. And then this is the year that. they ended up winning. I will say it makes me wonder the, the Super Bowl. It makes me wonder if it's in the moment, like nerves type thing. Because I will I, say we've been having yes. this thing recently where on Fridays after. Um, Mike does his press conference. He sits with us. It's all off the record, and it probably goes for about 10 minutes. He's done it for, like, the last three weeks, and I can tell you this right now. Like, I'm not going to tell you anything he said specifically, but when he talks about, like, all kinds of situations and everything down to, like, um, you know, GPS things during practice, like player evaluation things and stuff like that, the way he rattles this stuff off, like, you would certainly wouldn't come away going, he just doesn't know – the yeah. situations no he knows he knows believe me he i mean he's i think he's, he's kind of he, coy about that so it makes me wonder if it's just one of those things where it's just like okay wait what does the clock say right now like i'm not saying he looks flustered but maybe maybe it's something when the you know the bullets are flying because when he i think when it he's is answering their questions he has the answers so so you don't think he's just like sitting there saying why do i put myself in these situations i keep pushing myself even though I can't take it at all. Come on, no, I think he's Come le- on Bobby. I think he's legitimately what? balancing. That's a, a legitimate question. I know. He's legitimately balancing a bunch of stuff. Like, I do believe that. And when he was the head coach of Green Bay, he was calling the plays. And I would get yeah. so frustrated. Like, he's he's arguing with a ref and the play's not getting in. And then it's 10 seconds. You got to burn a timeout because the play didn't get called. And it's like, dude, you're calling the plays. You can't be arguing with the ref right now. Like there's little things like that that would happen from time to time, but I, I mean, I truly think it, it is a maybe a when the bullets are flying thing. I mean, the, the moment um, at the uh, I feel like the, we're the, so the, tied in though because like you have the background like with the Packers, and then he comes here, and so it's like you're such an vacuum. Like I guess I guess I'm sure the Athletics done something like this, one of our NFL writers, but like I'd like to know how it compares to like. And it can only be a handful of coaches. It has to be guys that have been around for a long time. So it has to be like the Sean Paytons, the Andy Reeds, the Mike Tomlins. Like, I wonder how much 
they have these issues. Like, I'm not saying it's it even needs to be the same, but I just feel like there has to be for any coach that's been around for a long period yeah. of time, a lot of like some second guessing. Because and the only reason I'm bringing this up is because I just feel like the NFL is so parity driven. There's so many games that come down late. And it, even more now than ever, that I just I wonder if there's other fan bases that kind of feel the same way to a certain extent about their guy. I'm going to was... double up on my Adderall uh, this week, and I'll <laughs> do a deep dive looking for articles that reference clock issues over the last 15 well, years, John. That, that, that was an Andy Reid narrative for years, Yeah, uh, if you guys remember. You know who's really good at it, and all you got to do is watch him. I'm, I'm not just saying this because of the Monday night game. I've noticed this over there. John Harbaugh is excellent at it. I mean, that's something yeah. that he does a really good job of. Um, and the thing, it's less about specific specific moments of managing a clock. It's more about that because of what you said about the league being such a, a league of parity, that I have to have a head coach that brings something. And I think right now the number one thing that Mike McCarthy brings to the program is, A, the fact that it's a program and we're not going to rock the boat. And we've got an identity. We know what we are. We know what we're going to do. I've got talented players. And kind of kind of that. I think that's the number one thing. And that's why it always frustrates me when it hurts you. You know, when something hurts you, when it's like, ah, if you just would have taken your time out or had two plays called right there, like things like that get frustrating. And we zoom in on those things. Are you saying like almost like if a younger, like up-and-coming name who this was their first gig – maybe might try and take a little bit more credit, be out front, things like that. Whereas with him, he might be willing to just sit back and kind of let it evolve. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I, I don't hope. get that from Brandon Staley. You know what I'm saying? No, but no, I can no. see how some people would say that maybe about Shanahan or McVeigh. I don't know. Maybe that's unfair for me to say that. Here, I, I think I think it's interesting that he um, he did that interview with Pelissero, um before he got hired. And I don't know if y'all remember, he got choked up at the end of it and was all like, my family just needs football. Like, like we need to give back. I think he just wants to be around it. it uh, Jane and I had talked to Andrew Brandt, who was part of the hiring committee that hired him, and he said that he had talked to two teams that had talked to Mike McCarthy and that McCarthy was telling everybody in every interview process, I don't want to buy the groceries. I just want to coach football, blah, blah, blah. And then he's you, Bobby, not taking you, Bobby, over the are you talking about? Are you talking about after the Packers or before the Packers? Getting, after the Packers. After, okay. He was saying this. He was saying this in interviews, including the Dallas one, apparently, that he was he didn't want to buy the groceries. He just wanted to coach football. He didn't want to get caught up in all the minutiae. And, and apparently that was something that was, you know, music to the Jones's ears. And there is something to be said for, and David Hellman made this point from DallasCowboys.com this, uh, last week, I think it was. There is something to be said for getting out of the way. Because there were times Jason Garrett and Rod Marinelli didn't get out of the way in the draft room. And yes. it hurt them. Yes. And there were times that Jason Garrett maybe didn't get out of the way in the game plan and Kellen Moore tightens up in New Orleans and they lose 13 to nine or whatever. And so there is something to be said for that, but that's only when things are going right. When Mike Nolan is shitting the bed all last season and you've got all these issues on defense and, and you just have a guy who won't stand up and won't go in there and won't, won't make any sort of moves. You have all these issues with, you know, the offensive line and getting Terrence Steele help, who he's been better this year, but last year not getting him the help that he needed and letting him stand out there and get your quarterback no matter who it was killed. And Mike McCarthy just kind of is, is standing back and going like, ah, oh, let, let, my, let my guys work. That sort of, you know, hands-off approach is only good when the right people are put into place. And, and the right people have been put into place then. 
Right. And, and when the right people aren't put into place, though, it's negligent to just stand back like he did last year. And so I think there is benefits to it. But I also think that, and I was texting with John about this earlier, I think the list of things you can give him credit for with this team and the list of things you can blame him for with this team are very, very, it's a very short list because I don't know what he's got his hands in very much. There's been so much delegating and handing responsibilities off to other people that there's not a lot you can directly blame him for or give him credit for, I don't think. You know, he learned from the best because I always thought he was a guy in Green Bay who wanted credit. He learned from Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers has just now Aaron Rodgers has just now made it public. Like, here's the guys I want. I want Randall Cobb. But for years, even the Matt LaFleur coaching thing, he's like, Yeah, I don't I don't want to be I don't want to be held responsible for saying that was my guy. And he keeps all these things to to himself and people kill him for it. And then finally he'd had enough and finally started speaking. He maybe he learned from Aaron, hey, I've, you know what I'll do? I'll just stand back here and then it's not my fault. It's not my fault if something goes bad, except but, it is but, if you're a, if you're a head coach in the league. And, and by the way, it's weird that we've been talking about McCarthy so much. McCarthy's done a good job. Now the things that I don't happened, know that he again, has. has he? I'm just gonna say the fact that if he's if he's staying out of the way and letting this thing go, and Kellen Moore's calling plays, and I don't know what he had to do with Dan Quinn, probably nothing. But either way, if you can just keep this thing going, then he's done a good job. But he was hands-off last year, too, so it's completely based off res- – the results don't matter to Mike McCarthy. He's going to be hands-off either way, so I don't know if it's an active doing of anything. I don't think he was taking a hand last year when things were struggling, and then now this year he goes, ah, they've all got it handled, so now I won't get myself involved. I just think this is a policy of his that he doesn't get involved, so I don't know that there's credit to be given, except to the people who have made the moves, like the pro department and the college department and, and the guys who have changed the culture, like Dan Quinn. I, I just I have a tough time, and it sounds so negative and, and like I'm being a hater, and I know it, but I just have a, a tough time giving him, like I said, credit or blame for much because I don't know what he has his hands in. So let's say, let's say everything goes <clears throat> pretty similar. I can't say exactly because he's not going to get 13 years here. But let's say it goes pretty similar to his first. Let's say he coaches here five years, and it's the exact same thing that happened for him in Green Bay. Will you be cool with that, Bobby? They win a Super Bowl? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're cool with them winning a Super Bowl. But I don't know how much credit I would give him. It would just depend on even if it mirrors, what his hand was with. Even if it mirrors exactly like Green Bay. I don't mean the exact I mean, wins, if it mirrors but... exactly like Green Bay, he's calling plays and he has a bigger hand in it. That's true. That's true. And he and he doesn't have that here. Yeah, that's a good point. What about you, KT? Yeah, man, you win the Super Bowl, you win the Super Bowl. Doesn't matter. Your name's on it. Doesn't matter. What if you just get to the Super you Just get. What if you get to the Super Bowl, but you, you lose in the Super Bowl, and then the, the following three years, they make the playoffs, but they don't get back. Get to the championship game. Didn't have to get to the Super Bowl. Okay. Here, I mean, ah, this is the whole thing. Is like everything is so uh, – everyone's going to raise their expectations too once people start believing that this boat is real. And I think people are starting to believe that. And if this thing's, uh, you know, 9-2 and two or 10-2 and two or we end up having a – this sounds weird, a 14-3 and three season or something, you know, and then, and then you end up losing and not making it to the Super Bowl, right? Yeah, maybe that's a problem. But, like, you get to the championship game that you haven't been to in that many years, you have to just acknowledge that that's a good thing. You have to. Um, 
What if you get past the Packers? What if you get griping about a Super Bowl? You need to get to that next step first. What if you get past the Packers, but you lose in the NFC Championship game to the Bucks and Tom Brady? Tough man, you got beat by the goat. Join the club. But what if it happens on a bad clock management issue at the end? Now that is unforgivable. I'm saying all these things to put them out as a jinx. But what what if it's what if it's a bad clock management issue against the Packers and you lose to Aaron Rodgers at AT and T Stadium again? Good, Bobby gets it. Get more of these jinxes uh, out of there. <laughs> I don't know. I don't understand. I'm so confused. I'm just kidding. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24/7 U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Well, hey, we got the Patriots this week. Uh, guys, Sorry, here's my, my quick take on the Patriots real quick. They're not very good, uh, and they really need bad weather. They need rain, wind, Which none of it. chaos. They need all that stuff. And right now, if you look at the globe, you got uh, Pamela coming up from the, from the uh, Pacific into Mexico, going to bring rain here in the Metroplex. Meanwhile, the Northeast is going to be high and dry this weekend, it looks like. Yeah, 65 degrees and sunny at Foxborough on Sunday is what the forecast uh, currently calls for. That's a good that was a chance of rain on Saturday, but yes, 65 that, that and sunny. Was, All right. That, that's the thing that that 2019 game, that's what still sticks out to me the most. It's just how like sloppy that field was and how they couldn't. How really bad the special teams going. play was. Special teams, but also, I mean, they couldn't get anything going in the passing game just because right. of how terrible the weather was. It's funny, I was looking at this. So the Dallas has lost six straight games to uh, the Patriots, but I think it was, what is it? I looked at it earlier today. They were, they've lost, oh, where are they at here? They have lost those six straight, but they've also had like, 13 points or fewer scored by the winning team in like four of the last seven. Like this has been like historically over the last 25 years, like an incredibly low scoring game outside of the one they played, uh, which was big time scoring in 20 or 2007. But um, well, during well, uh, Jason Garrett was there. I, there certainly was a lot of respect for, for Bill Belichick as rightly so. And I felt like he was trying to keep those games close. Let's just do the, whereas what we said earlier about Mike McCarthy because he'll be willing to go for it, even early or late, whatever, on some fourth and two, some fourth and ones, might be not might be on their side of the field, things like that. I think those type of decisions will prevent this from being one of those like low, like whether it's good for the Cowboys or bad. I don't think it's going to be like like thirteen to ten. I don't know though, because they are uh, what is it? They're through five games this season. They've scored ninety six points and they've allowed ninety two. 
So, I mean, they're under, you know, 20 points a game allowed and 20 points scored. And so it's, it's, I mean, it could be a, you know, one of these low scoring grinded out games. They're, they're not, they, their run defense hasn't been particularly great this season. Um, I mean, they're, they're, they've got a solid defense this year. Now they've played some dogs in there, you know, they had the Dolphins and the Jets and the Texans and everything else. But, um, I mean, they played Brady. And the Buccaneers pretty well. Um, and so... I think the weather know, affected I, that one a little bit. Th- there's been a lot of talk about this, you know, uh, on Twitter. I've seen a lot of people talking about this, how they, you know, they play a lot of, you know, single high uh, more than anybody else in the league at this point. And if that's the case, you got man-to-man on the receivers and just a single safety back there. It seems ripe for Dallas to be able to, you know, get some stuff going in the passing game. But I just, I feel like this would be a... Belichick thing to do to just all of a sudden like completely change it up knowing who this Cowboys offense is and so I don't know I would I think it's very possible we see some struggles in the passing game early as they kind of you know manipulate them into making some you know uh, getting some wrong reads from the passing game and then I think it's very possible they just lean on Zeke and Pollard again Connor McGovern Connor McGovern blocking it and, and Connor McGovern and and yeah, and then here in a, a couple weeks, when Lyle Collins gets back from suspension, we'll go to seven offensive linemen looks, and you know have seven linemen Dak, and then Dalton Schultz, Tony Pollard, and Zeke Elliott out there. It'll be great. On that yeah. note, guys, I wanted to throw this out real quick. Sorry, KT. I think this no, fits in perfect right here, though. Um, running games working for game winning streak. I'm wondering how how dedicated to the run they'd be if old Michael Gallup was healthy this entire time. Because you're not taking Mike off the field. You're running three wide receivers. So I'm not sitting here saying that they wouldn't still have the same success running game. They might. I just think things would be a little bit different. I just don't see them going, Gallup, get over here. McGovern, get into that fullback spot again. Like it's made it. No. It's made it to where it almost fits right now, where it works. It's perfect for that. You can do two tight ends more. You don't have to have three receivers. Not to say they're not doing three receivers. Cedric Wilson's played a lot. I'm just saying when Gallup comes back, or if Gallup was here for all of this, I wonder how committed they'd be. Well, when Gallup gets back, and then you got to remember, Amari Cooper's played four and a half games hurt. Right. And Amari Cooper's not quite himself yet. And so, I mean, once you've got two of your top three receivers have, you know, been injured basically the entire season. And, and, I mean, Dak's still performing at a high level. Once they identified that the Connor McGovern package, though, and made that, um, I guess we can call it an offensive adjustment, I was kind of in my head, go, man, I wonder if that would have worked against Tampa Bay on opening night. Because well, that, if they that play Tampa Bay this bit. week, they would use it. I, I don't know that it would work, but I think they would use it. You know, one thing I would be interested to see because I think there's one thing that uh, I've thought about with this game. Mac Jones does not worry me at all. Uh, Mac Jones, if you get any type of pressure on him, he is a mess. Uh, if it's clean, then he can kind of sit around and wait on one of their unathletic guys to get open. Um, but. What's been going on at running back with them is very interesting. Obviously, James White out for the year. Damian Harris was your next fumble guy. Ramondre Stevenson, uh, who went to Oklahoma, is a big running back. And that's the one type that I'm not sure we've seen this uh, rendition of the Cowboys defense shut down. Can he handle the big guy? Um, Not the quickest guy, but the big, strong guy. And I'm just interested in that type of running back. And what he could potentially do. Now, you know, Saquon's a bigger dude, obviously. But, I mean, Ramondre Stevenson is more of the, uh, you know, A.J. Dillon type build, you know, that type of guy. 
And that's a way for New England to maybe move the pile and maybe see team, a team ru- uh, move the ball on the ground against Dallas more than we've seen so far this year. Now, they won't do that if they get behind very quickly. You know, the, they start having to air it out. But that's one wild card thing, and you can never predict it. Like, they may not use Ramondre Stevenson at all. You can never predict a Patriots backfield. But it's just something that I wanted to throw out there because it's – it's the type of player that we haven't seen the Cowboys stop yet this year. Is that type? Two point one yards per carry this season, though. And that's a, that, that's for the a Patriots little, or that, for Ramondre oh, Stevenson. Oh well, yeah, Ramondre. He has, he fumbled but, in but, week but, one and got in the doghouse. Like there's but, no. But you you look at like uh, like I'm just looking at uh, their top four ball carriers this season. Damian Harris three point seven yards per carry. Stevenson two point one. James White three point eight. Mac Jones three point eight. Then you get yeah. that, you got JJ Taylor down here, one point three yards per game. I mean, they they've struggled running the ball. I mean, like I said, it's been low scoring because they haven't been able to do much on offense at all. And they, you know, their their defense has been pretty good, and they've played some played some bad offenses. But I mean, it's they're not be good. Interesting. They're not good. I, they're I, not a good team. I just want to see Mac Jones throw an interception to Trayvon Diggs. That's what I'm here for. Yep. Yeah, I picked Trayvon Diggs to have an interception. Okay. And uh, no, but I will. I, I think this is going to be a little. They're going to try and set it up to be a little more grinded out. I'll say Dallas twenty-four, Patriots sixteen. Damn, that was close. I'm going Cowboys twenty-four, Patriots twenty, and the only reason it's even this close is because Bill Belichick's coaching the team. If Steve Belichick's coaching the team, the Cowboys probably win 27-7. to But because Bill Belichick is still over there, maybe I give him too much credit as the GOAT. But he, I just think whether it's a special teams play or something, he's going to find a way to keep him in it. Dallas 31-13. to Wow. Ooh. Wow. How, how did they he, do he just that, said KT? That, he just said through that. The, through the air or on the ground? KT just said that with his chest. Both. We've got a touchdown for Zeke, a touchdown for Tony Pollard, two touchdown passes for uh, Dak. One to Amari Cooper, of course. The other one to your guy, Dalton Schultz. Tell us more. What, what about Trayvon Diggs? Does he, does he get that uh, pick for Bobby? Well, here's the thing that's tough. Zerline, one for two. Ooh. Oh. Is that the extra? What about the extra points? You think he makes all those? Oh, oh yeah. Don't do this. Gonna Kent is going to be pissed. Now, now, what about Diggs, though? Does he keep the interception streak alive? Not this week. Ooh. Mac Jones is throwing five. Yep, he's and he's throwing throw he's he's three to Anthony Brown. I, I, oh, so, so three picks for Anthony Brown, one, none for Trayvon hey, Diggs. One, this week. one for Casey and one for Brent Urban. Hey, yeah. <laughs> who do you even put Trayvon Diggs on? Who is the guy he must follow? I bet they have him on Jacoby Myers. Jacoby Myers is Jacoby Myers is a solid player. Oh, get out of here! He's solid. Yeah, Jacoby Myers isn't sniffing our roster. I'll take Cedric Wilson over Jacoby Myers. No, Jacoby Myers. Although, although, what is it? Somebody had this stat a couple weeks ago. I want to say it was. um, Oh shoot, I can't remember who it was. But Jacoby Myers, three years in the league now, he has 116 receptions. And he has zero touchdown catches. Oh my god! He has the most receptions in NFL history without a touchdown catch. <laughs> yeah, this somebody's going to catch the, the game ball. plan is just throw wherever Trayvon's not. I don't think he gets an interception this week either. I just think it would be. I think that rookie quarterback is going to be very, very, very aware of everywhere Seven's at. 
Uh, Kent, what's your pick? What's the spread, KT? I think it was seven and a half, but let me lose. Does it really get up that oh. high? I thought it was seven. Maybe that's just in my Damn. pick 'em league that I'm in where they hey, kind of. So, so, so you think Mac Jones is going to be like, I saw this too much in practice at Alabama. I'm not throwing over there. Maybe. Sounds good on paper. Or maybe oh, Trayvon knows him so well that he's going to, you know. I got Cowboys by four. been in practice with him before, so yeah. What who would you rather oh, have, so, Bobby? Huh? Who would you rather have? Who or who? Mac or Jalen. Um, Jalen Hurts, I think. No. Jalen Smith. I, I, I'm not crazy about either no. of them. I think I'd rather have Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is at least athletic. Mm. Uh, Kent, it was uh, Cowboys by four. Yeah, I was going to okay, say, seven sounds like high. Uh, I'll take Dallas four, New England zero. Okay. Oh. oh. I like your style. That's the call there. Yeah. Two safeties for the Cowboys. Oh, I thought it was just four extra points for zero. Oh. Both safeties by Brent Urban. Oh, he would miss the extra points. He'd make the field goals, though. Well, we did it, boys. <laughs> we, we did it. Did, we did another one. Can you believe it? We did it. We did it. We did it. We did it. Cowboys Patriots 325 Sunday. Uh, we'll be uh, on with you after the game. Thank you to our special guest this week, Bobby Belt. Bobby, where can we find you? On Twitter, at Bobby Belt TX. And uh, as always, I appreciate you, gentlemen. Father John Mashota, where can we find you, man? You can find me on Twitter. The Athletic. J O N M A C H O T A. I appreciate anybody that would like to follow. And at the athletic, of course, with so much stuff. Oh my God! So much. Trayvon sure Diggs story up today. Check it out. Seriously, good stuff in there about Trayvon. Wolfskin. Make sure you're following uh, Bob Sturm's uh, Cowboys coverage on the Athletic too. Shout out to Dan. him and uh, his writing. But go ahead. Damn, Dan Quinn was Sturm, talking about yes. how Trayvon Diggs tracks the ball, and the first player he throws out is Julio Jones. So that seemed uh, you know, pretty elite to I, me. I, I think I nailed the Trayvon Diggs uh, comparison, by the way. I know they said Richard Sherman. I'm putting it on Antonio Cromartie. Ooh, that, I like that one. That's a good one. I've seen a lot of Antonio Cromartie in my thing. days. Absolutely. That's ball, a good one. Skills, kids. ball skills, lots of size, similar athleticism. Yeah. Still gets burned every now and then. I, like I think that. it's a good comp. I okay. like that. Good Kent, where, where can we find you? You can find me on The Athletic. Uh, follow The Athletic at um, Football Show. We touched on all, all that John Gruden fiasco oh my god what what happened there to sean reed on with robert mays today so if you're interested in that topic hit on it there and by the way shout out to rich bisaccia new head coach of the uh, interim head coach of the uh las vegas raiders good dude and uh a player favorite would would love to see him eventually get a real head coaching job someday so maybe this is the path to that hey it worked for dan campbell so that's working out great all right um so yeah follow us at the athletic it's the athletic dot com slash about them cowboys for that discount and we'll be back after uh the game for a little post game action cool all right we'll see you next time on about them cowboys what would you say you do here